Welcome to Home Design Chat with Nancy. We're all about your home, kitchens, baths, tile, appliances, and everything else you can think of. You name it, we chat about it. So last week, which was September 9th, and I go by dates, as everybody knows, Les Sturdivant was my guest, and he is the owner of Designer Dream Kitchen Studio in Scottsdale. Well, we talked about the basics of what people make mistakes on when they design their kitchens. And we had so many items that we decided to do it in a two-parter. Last week was all the technical stuff, electrical, um, plumbing, basics. This week, we're going to talk about the fun stuff. And so we have Les back. We're going to continue our conversation. Hey, Les, thanks for uh, jumping in and helping me to finish this series. Hey, Nancy, my pleasure. Uh, it hardly feels like a, a week has gone by. It has. you believe it? Time is flying by like crazy. I, know. I keep saying Christmas is right around the corner. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm dying for cold weather. I guess that's why I keep saying that. Oh, anyway, you really, you really yeah. are, huh? Yeah, yeah. You, you mean you um, don't like you don't like 115 degrees here in Arizona? Well, we're finished with that. Let's not let people think that we still have 115 today. I think what did it drop down to 111? I think, I, yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. The fun part is that it's getting cooler in the morning, so it's easier to survive. Anyway, let's jump into it. Last week, we talked about all that technical stuff. And the first thing I want to talk about is when people want to remodel their kitchen, they have to look at it objectively. Maybe they can knock down walls or move the kitchen around. Um, I think that's common. I know as a designer, don't we go in because we're objective, we're not living in the house. We can look at the space and kind of get a good feeling on how they can expand it. Did that ever happen to you? Oh, many times, yes. Uh, uh, Knocking a wall down to open a space into a a larger, we used to kind of call it a great room space. Um, Of course, we have to consider um, if the walls are structural or not and absolutely what, what do we do in a case like that how do we handle that nancy yeah well first of all you have to get a contractor and if he's smart he'll get a structural engineer to see if there is any load-bearing walls that will be affected by removing the walls and if so they can always install a lentil and bury it in the ceiling. But that's getting a little complicated. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, I don't think I would tackle that myself. Don't you agree? Probably not. No, no. That's no, where the pros did, come in. Yeah. I did a remodel years ago, and supposedly the owner had a pro come in, and then, well, things went south. So we were working on remodeling. He had a second floor. And as we removed the ceiling, we noticed that they compromised the structure for the second floor. So we had to put a steel beam in there. So that's the reason why I say get a structural or get somebody who knows what they're doing. Don't tackle this yourself. But, you know, as we were saying, you can always increase the space of your kitchen, especially if you have a galley kitchen or it's compartmentalized and you want to have people over and cook together. Um, I would say, see if you could knock down walls, don't have tunnel vision, um, be creative, right? We've done a lot like that, right? 
Absolutely. Yes, it, it, it's the uh, opportunity, uh, you know, to explore that while, while you're thinking of, of this exciting new project of a, of a new kitchen. It's the, it's the right time to, to uh, review all your options. Yeah. Um, you don't ever want to do the kitchen and then look back and say, you know, I could have removed that wall. And um, now it's too late unless you want to start all over again. Right? I don't think I don't I don't think we'd want to do that, would we? No, you know, doing kitchens is not um, inexpensive, and so what you want to do is see every possible option before you even start. So now let's get into some of the fun things about designing. Um, one of the things that I have noted here is when and how many times have we gone into kitchens and you go. Wow, they open the refrigerator and that blocks everybody from coming in through the door. Sometimes the back door, sometimes the main entry to the kitchen. Um, this, I think, is important. And how do you solve that? With uh, uh, allowing for prop- proper passageways and and uh, placing the appliances and such, uh, that that won't happen. You have to think ahead. Put yourself into the situation and go, okay, I've got the refrigerator open. Somebody wants to come in the kitchen. i got to shut the refrigerator so they walk around me. Uh, sometimes we move the refrigerator over away from the, um, the entryway, maybe with a small pantry, and that's always a good solution. Um, yes. I can't, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Or how many times do we see an oven smack dab against the wall? You can only get into the oven from the left or right side. And when the oven door is down, especially if it's Thanksgiving, God forbid somebody walk in without realizing the turkey is sitting on the oven door and they can really have a catastrophe. So, Mm -hmm. you know, another one that I have noted here is the dishwasher. How many times do people have the dishwasher down and somebody's tripping over it? Mm -hmm. Right? There's a lot of a lot of forethought that goes into kitchens that I think people don't realize. Uh, it's important to look at the floor plan and then imagine that you're walking through the kitchen with every possible scenario, and I think you would end up with a uh, a good floor plan. But you have to think ahead. One of the things that people skimp on sometimes are the storage areas you want to jump in with that Les? sure we have so many options today um uh, i i'm i'm involved with quite a bit of with european cabinetry and and the europeans uh i always been on the forefront of introducing new storage uh pieces different types of pull-out pantries and corner units and and such and and there's there's literally uh, any number of options for, for storage uh, in, in, in different different kind of ways, whether it's roll out shelves and uh, there's just there's just a lot a lot of, of things out there to, uh, to 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 help in in, in that area of, uh, of of how you store things in the kitchen. Yeah, well, think about this when you're designing your kitchen. You want to make it as easy as possible to get those dishes or those pots or those uh, serving trays or those prep containers. And one of the main things that I use a lot of is the rollouts in the base. 
the last thing you want to do is get on your hands and knees and start looking in the back of the cabinet for something that you knew was there and you need it right away. Mm -hmm. So those rollouts are, I think, probably one of the least expensive ways to organize your kitchen. So don't skimp on them. Right. And, right. And draws, 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 tall draws, a mixture in, in different uh, heights of draws. If you have the, the space to do it uh, is, uh, is is another really, really That's right. handy feature. You bring up a good point. We have done kitchens with all drawers. The top drawer is six inches deep and the other two drawers below it are 12 inches deep. Mm-hmm. And so you really don't – it's a two-action if you have a rollout. You have to open the door, pull out the rollout. But in a lot of situations, I've done all drawers. And the drawers come anywhere from 15 inches wide to, depending on who's making the cabinets, 42. Mm-hmm. 48 and, is a little iffy. And, and again, there's – we were just talking about accessories. There's there's a, a variety of accessories that can be incorporated into those those tall drawers as well. Right. You can store your dishes in the deep drawers, and then they have different pegs, a peg system, so that your dishes don't slide all around. I would suggest if you are remodeling your kitchen and you want it to be as efficient as possible, talk to your cabinet person or talk to me or talk to Les um, about the – all the different kinds of um, storage solutions. Uh, I love the tray base, the vertical tray base, and I've done them as wide as 24 inches. I've done them over ovens, over refrigerators. Um, Refrigerators, not so much unless you're tall or you put stuff up there that you only use once a year. But you definitely don't want to start stacking stuff and then you always need the one on the bottom. So those uh, vertical tray dividers is actually what they're called. Or pull out garbage cans. You know, how many times do you see a picture of a gorgeous kitchen and standing there in the middle of or to the side of the sink is a garbage can? That can be incorporated into your cabinets. So to me, that's a necessity, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, So I I think... And there's virtually... and And garbage... Uh, cabinetry sizes uh, do come in a variety, two of width. So there's hardly ever a kitchen situation where you can't find something that, that that's that's going to fit into into the space. Yeah. You guys out there, think of this. You should have a, a pull-out garbage by every single sink. I put them in the laundry room. If there's two sinks in the kitchen, each sink has its own garbage can. Um, we as um, busy Americans, I don't know how we do this, but we create a lot of garbage. No sense in having it all over the place. Um, it's best to have even a double pull-out trash. One could be organic and one could be paper or recyclables. So whatever. You have to be um, an organizing nut if you want to get a kitchen that's very efficient. Okay, let's uh, skip over to uh, my favorite an efficient kitchen. What's the first thing we usually think of when we have an efficient kitchen, Les? Uh, islands. Well, I was hoping you would say a task areas. A task area. You got me on that one. Yes, Nancy. <laughs> um, task areas are actually what they are. That's what you do in that area. You want to jump in and explain how the triangle was good 25 years ago? So yes, uh, and and we we we've, we've both been doing we've both been we've both been designing kitchens 
that and some, and, and the triangle was the way that we were actually trained to design kitchens, and uh, that's really gone by the wayside of uh, planning work zones now. Uh, again, kitchen spaces are, are larger. There's more appliances, more options and sizes and, and, and different things. And so uh, we've, you know, we've kind of moved from the triangle to uh, a good functional uh, uh, work zone that, you know, that fits the lifestyle and, and efficiency uh, for, for the users. Right. One of my favorite zones, I call them task areas as well, is the bake center. And a bake center should be near the oven, pretty close to the refrigerator. Now, if it can't be close to the refrigerator, the best thing is to have an under counter or additional small refrigerator right by the baking area. So then you can store all your butters and milks and some eggs and everything. If you're a heavy baker, you don't want to be running all over the kitchen for all of your supplies. So your bake center would have naturally a sink by the oven, store all your baking stuff, all of your pans, uh, your baking pans, your utensils, all of the uh, ingredients And that becomes your work zone for baking. And that's how it works. And, of course, a garbage can over there. And then uh, another area would be the cleanup. So you'd have your main cleanup sink by the dishwasher with another pull-out garbage, all your supplies for cleaning. And the whole thing about this is being efficient, not running all over the kitchen to get your spatula that's over by your cooktop when you really need another one in your bake center. So I'm always telling people, you know, these are so inexpensive. Get your doubles and your triples of your uh, spatulas or some things, potholders, anything. Uh, You can have them in each area. Makes it more efficient. So right now we're going to talk about lighting, aren't we? (laughs) Right? We're going to talk about Premier Lighting. They have been... Um, nice enough to sponsor my podcast, and I also get a lot of my clients' fixtures from Premier Lighting. They have a great selection. They're located in Scottsdale, but they have a wonderful um, website. It's shoppremier.com. They have a lot of information on that website. They always have the uh, up-to-date fixtures. God, they go shopping once or twice a year at market and add more stuff. When I go into their showroom, I'm forever looking up and finding new stuff all the time. So if you want to shop online, they will ship. They also have lighting consultants. So you can call them at 623-907-2669. And you can ask them all about LED lighting. um, If you want to add fixtures and get a different look in your rooms. And of course, Christmas is coming. So you want to start perking up your uh, house for your company. So go to shoppremier.com. So Les, the next thing I have on my list is, oh, your favorite thing. Islands. Um, Islands, yes, like uh, like Hawaii and uh, the Bahamas, but not those kind of islands. <laughs> I, I love, think I love islands. What? Yeah, I do too. Um, I think ninety percent of the kitchens I do have islands. So, can you give some hints on how to figure out the best island for the situation for their lifestyle? Well, sure. We t- we talked earlier about. Uh, the possibility of opening up 
the space, maybe taking a wall down and such. And that might be uh, something that plays into uh, being able to include an island or expand the size of an island. Uh, I I love islands uh, as a great design element, but they're also extremely functional. Uh, you may have a sink and dishwasher located in it. You, you eat on on the front side of the island. It's a it's a great area to to have conversation with family and entertain. But you also want to consider uh, the traffic flow. And, and to provide oh, enough circulation yeah. and and allow uh, the, the enough enough space around it, right, Nancy? Yes. Matter of fact, if you have an island with a dishwasher, or if the island is in front of the perimeter cabinets with a dishwasher, you got to figure you pull down that dishwasher. You don't want the door to hit the island, and you also want enough space so that people can walk by the dishwasher. Yes, uh, they can walk around the other end if they have to, but you want to have at least 39 inches. You can go 42, 45. Once you exceed that, you have then caused more steps to be taken from the perimeter uh, perimeter cabinets to the island, and that defeats the whole purpose of an island. So I try to keep it at uh, 42, 45, depending on how many people are cooking in the kitchen and, of course, you can take into consideration the size of the people. Um, I myself am a little petite, so I don't need as much space. And I really don't want too much space because I don't want people walking behind me when I'm cooking. So you can also um, control the flow of your kitchen by the uh, size of the walkway. Interesting. Uh, another thing that I found is... You will have people saying, I do not want any appliances on my island. I want it to be a clean workspace. Typically, when they want that, they do a lot of buffet entertaining. Um, I've explained to them that if they do need a second sink, that would be a perfect place for it. But then depending on the lifestyle and the size of the island and the size of the um, project, that comes to play. Um, And another thing I wanted to say I know we were talking about fads and trends, and I just thought of a fad less. Do you remember when islands had eating areas that dropped down to 30 inches? So you would have oh, a 36-inch yeah. high island, and then you would have a space that was dropped down to 30 inches, so you would sit there with a chair. It was down to table height, down to right. old-school table height, yes. Well, I had that. That came with my house when I bought it, and I hated it because I never knew what was – I mean, it was hard to serve my kids because it was dropped down six inches. Also, if you want a bigger workspace, your island would then be 36 inches at one level instead of 24 and then 12 dropping down with a 12-inch shelf. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fad, and I don't see that anymore. I think yeah. that – was um it didn't well i don't know how long it lasted but i think people realized that it was kind of useless i think i think you it know, was anyway you know i think it kind of started from the transition from a table because we we're always used to tables being chair right. height, 30 inches height and then we started talking about eating at the island and so it was kind of almost a natural thing to transition to that and then lo and behold someone thought gee 
let's all let's do what you what you just illustrated and, and open up the countertop space. Uh, you know, even uh, raised islands. We don't. Do you see those that much too? Because uh, that no. that was another thing that actually was was a fad, so, so to speak. Oh, you're right. Um, they were raised to 42 inches, so you needed a bar stool to sit there. Right. And then again, it broke up the, the large span of the island. Right. And to, to hold that up, you needed a pony wall. Then you needed knee space. And I think people finally realized after 20 years of having that, that that was useless. So now we're seeing more islands at one thirty-six inch height level, Right. Yes. I think that's more useful. Yes, yes. And there's more, I think there's more stools and chairs now. It's it's become so acceptable to to even have tables at that height. So you you can accessorize them uh, very, very easily too. Right. It's easier to find a bar stool for 36-inch high countertop. Now, I will say that I've gone to a couple of people's houses years ago, and I go to get on the stool that was for the 42 I needed a ladder to get on the stool. It's not conducive to small people or kids. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous, matter of fact. So I would always talk people out of it. And I did go into a house years ago where, don't ask me why, but the builder thought he should do the uh, eating bar at 48 inches high. Um, they don't make stools for 48-inch high countertops. So what are you supposed to do, sit on a telephone book? That was totally ridiculous. Yes, Boy, we can do a podcast on the ridiculous things that I've seen builders do. But, oh, I don't want to go there. So one last thing about an island I want to say is it doesn't have to be square or rectangular. It could follow the sh- a different shape. It could be a trapezoid. Um, I've done a couple of interesting shaped islands. So, you know, depending on the design, on the space that you have, make it interesting. And, and also, it doesn't need to be the same finish as the perimeter of the cabinetry. It's an opportunity to introduce right. a, a secondary finish. If you have painted cabinetry around the perimeter, you can have a different painted island or you can have a, a, a wood stain. I, I recently completed one that we did a, a wood stain island and we matched that to, to a custom hutch. And so it, it, it tied in that, 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 that wood finish with, with the perimeter in, in a painted finish. Yeah, I like the idea of tying it in. You know, uh, if you're going to do your own kitchen design and you're going to pick all the finishes, try to tie things in. You don't want something to pop up and it doesn't belong there, but you liked it and it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Right. Well, we're we did actually, talk. We, I was going to say we're actually adding because the the clients were out of town because of the pandemic and everything, but we're actually adding uh, floating shelves that are going to be in that same finish. So it's, it's going to be the three the three elements, basically, yeah. of, of bringing that. And that looks good. That mm-hmm. looks more complete and very professional looking. Pat on your back. Um, I wanted to say one thing going back to the fads. We talked about this before. Fads come and go. And if you see something that you like and you can't live with it for 10 years, don't even think about it. Most people do their kitchen over 10 years, and a lot of people don't do them. Once they do them, that's it. They don't do them anymore. And so having a red stove or having the cabinets in a green, and you're not crazy about green, but you figure, well, okay, I can live with it. When you get up in the morning, you're going to look at that and go, why did I pick green? So make sure that whatever you decide you can live with for a long time. Agreed? 
Agreed. You can you can bring uh, those elements into small into small changeable features where accessories and appliances and such that 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 will come in in and out of uh, of, of use and and less costly to uh, to change. Years ago, I saw a purple kitchen and I thought, God, this is so beautiful with black appliances. Yeah, I could live with that for probably two weeks and then I'd get tired of it. So you're right, bringing in the accessories. And that's why the white kitchen or a basic wood kitchen or a gray kitchen is um, a good palette for then the brighter colors that they can use as accessories. Then you can always throw out those accessories and bring in a different color and you'll get a good feel for it. And of course, you can also do the window treatment to bring the color of your accessories as a focal point. So lastly, Les, the thing that we have to instill in people is not to forget to ask help from the expert. You know, designing a kitchen is not as easy as people think. Yes, true, it's not brain surgery, but it's not something that you whip together. We have how many years of experience between us, or do we want to tell them? Ah, uh, gee, can I? Can right. I? Okay, no, but maybe not. You, you do it. Yeah. You, do, you do the honest. <laughs> okay. Well, together more than fifty years, and then some, and so we've seen it all. We've come up with solutions, beautiful kitchens, award-winning kitchens, and it's not like throwing something together in the room. It takes a lot of forethought, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. So my um, parting comment is now that we've given you all the information that you should not forget to incorporate into your new project, reach out to a designer, to the expert. Even if you say, you know what, I designed a kitchen, and I had this happen last year. Somebody said, we designed our kitchen, but we need your expertise to just go over the plan and make sure we didn't forget anything or if you have a better idea. So if you want to do most of it yourself, at least get somebody you can consult with to double check and make sure you haven't made any mistakes. So, um, And I'm sure you've had people say that to you too, right? Uh, absolutely, and uh, it, like you mentioned, that there's so many elements of it, and uh, uh, Pinterest is great, and you know, finding photos and things that, that you like is right. great. It's great to share with with, with your designer. Uh, where we've done this for uh, uh, how many years did you say? Over. Oh, I'm not going to say it again. Uh, uh, we also, you know, can understand proportion. Uh, of, of the spaces, uh, and, and sometimes that that doesn't that's not that realistic in, in just looking at, at, at photographs. Uh, but 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 they can become a great asset in in helping us help you as well. Yeah, you know we are really experienced in kitchen design, but where we falter is reading our client's mind, and that's why the pictures are so important, right? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's easier for somebody to show me a picture and say, I like this element and I like that element on this other picture rather than me try to pull out what the person likes. So pictures are worth a thousand words. And also um, you want to, you want the, end result to be a professional looking kitchen that is functional, that fits your lifestyle um, and that you're going to be happy with for years to come. So do we have any parting words on that? I, gee, Nancy, I think I, I, you've done a great job in covering it. I think we, I think we, I think we, <laughs> I think we have. Yes. 
Good, good. Hey, Les, I want to thank you for uh, doing part two of this Don't Make These Mistakes. I think um, we've given everybody a lot of information that they can then digest, and if they have any questions, they can um, get to us. So thank you for uh, doing part two, and I want to... My pleasure, Nancy. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me once again. Hey, it's my pleasure. And I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I know we threw a lot of information at you, and hopefully you didn't get confused or upset if you're doing your project and you forgot half of this stuff. Be sure to subscribe, and you can rate and also comment on the platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. I'm on 23, probably 23-plus platforms, including iHeartRadio. There's no reason why you can't find this, or please share them with your friends and tell them that we're all over the place, and they will get um, a lot of information out of these podcasts. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com, and I have an about page on me that tells you my whole life. And if you have any questions for me or for Les, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. In the meantime, stay safe and have a great day. 